don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This week on Social Minds. Everyone's going to have a very different perspective on it. There will be a lot of people who will listen to this and either think it's the world's most obvious podcast or what is this guy chatting about? We were joined by Joe Glover, who is the founder of The Marketing Meetup, a nationwide networking event made for marketers that prioritise people over profit. Joe spoke to us about the brands, including Patagonia, who are doing empathetic marketing well, and why empathy and profit aren't always mutually exclusive. Right now, people are wanting more stuff to do with social issues. They're looking for more quality. They're looking for a more human interaction. All this and more coming up. How can marketers show more empathy in a social first world? Mm -hmm. So I think empathy, you know, if we're going to be speaking about it as a, an overarching theme, I think it's useful to start off with like definitions, you mm. know, if, if we think about what we're actually speaking about. So for me, empathy is just knowing who your customers are and what they want really, really, really well. Mm. So I don't think it's going to be the type of thing that's rocket science at all when it comes to marketing, but I do think it's the type of thing that's forgotten. Mm. And I think it's forgotten on the level of emotions and sort of feelings, which sounds like the type of thing that's really airy-fairy, but it's the type of thing that's really, really important. Mm. At the end of the day, as marketers, our job is to uh, solve the needs of customers. That's what we're trying to do. At the very, very top level, we, that's our job. So to solve the needs of customers, we need to appreciate what their needs are, what their feelings are, how they feel about your solution. And if you're able to appreciate all of those things, then you're actually able to market to them very, very effectively. Mm. So once you've got that definition, that sort of feeds everything else. So if your customer is in need of a new pair of trainers because it's wet outside or something like that, then you know that inside they're going to be not wanting to get wet feet. <laughs> so you can market your, your your product, your service as, you know, something that solves the need of the customer on an emotional level because they don't want to get wet feet. And you can empathize with them on that level and you go, oh, isn't it hard? Isn't it horrible when you get wet feet? And that's such a powerful marketing message. But the thing is, it, it, it seems so simple, doesn't it? <laughs> it seems so simple and yet it feels like it's lost a lot of the time mm -hmm. yeah. in marketing. It feels like, you know, things are very not empathetic. Things are quite faceless in a way. Mm -hmm. So do you think brands and marketers have lost that ability somewhat to be empathetic? I don't think it's um, an issue of forgotten. I think it's an issue of prioritisation. Mm. So in our day-to-day -day jobs as, as marketers, um, we spend an awful lot of time in dashboards and having conversations with stakeholders and, and managers and, and, and all these folks, you know, and we have to justify our actions. And so often we have to justify it on the basis of ROI. But it's ROI of today, you know, what's the metric that has sort of gone up this week, this month? What we're forgetting is sort of the long-term consequences of our actions. Mm. So when we sort of speak about uh, forgetting empathy and forgetting the sort of humanity and, and all, all these things that feed into emotions, it's because it's a harder conversation to have. Mm. It's a harder conversation to justify, to say, you know what, we're not able to prove this thing, but we feel like we're on the right track. Mm. The feedback that we're getting from our customers on a level that isn't quantifiable on, on a data point is that we're heading in the right direction. Mm. You need to have faith. You need to have a realisation that these things over the course of time, they pay back, you know, and, and uh, 
that's a difficult conversation for someone who isn't running their own business, who isn't their own sort of director of their own fate, so to speak. So yeah. a middle management, they're going to be getting pressure from the guy above or the, or the girl above, you know, and, and, and likewise. So we as marketers are prioritizing these short-term wins, which creates a culture of lack of empathy because the things that win in the short term are, are going to be things like putting more money into PPC ads or, yeah. you know, or just spending more or, or you know. And I wonder how much social has played a part in that as well, in a way, this kind of short-termism. Like we see it a lot of the time, don't we? Nothing really feels that long-term with social because it mm. is so quick and reactive and you've got to do it now. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does get harder to look at like the long term strategies. I I wonder like what about the um like the ideation process of a campaign because like I've sort of noticed for a little while that creatives have egos, um <laughs> and like I'm guilty of it myself. But you'll come up with an idea that you think is great, and I think people focus too much on that sometimes. Whereas I don't know. Do you think that's what's holding the empathy side back because we're not putting ourselves in the shoes of our consumers? We're just thinking about ourselves. Absolutely. You know, I think as marketers, we have to realise we are the least important part of any yeah. process. You know, we are conduits of information that will improve the lives of other people. You know, in our jobs, in our roles, that's what we're there for. You know, I've got an ego too. You know, I, I love you know new ideas and stuff like that. But that's why you have strategies as well. Mm. You know, and within a strategy, you've got an embedded idea of who your customer is. Yeah. And everything you're doing is for their benefit. Yeah. Now, you know, of course, that's easier said than done. Yeah. And when you're playing with like human humans within a business, you know. And, yeah, and definitely. I, I think like the most successful marketers or like effective marketers are the ones who are naturally empathetic. But do you think it's possible for people who maybe aren't as naturally empathetic mm -hmm. to achieve that level? I think... It's one of those skills that, you know, some people will be better at than others, mm. you know. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? Like, is it a trait or is it a skill? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's something that with an additional awareness um, within an organisation, people can absolutely get better at it. Mm. Um, an organisational culture can be arranged around the customer or more importantly, actually, there's a differentiation between a customer and a human. Mm. Um, there are actually stats to prove that if you spend more time thinking about your customers as human beings, mm. I think it's something like 32% they're more likely to purchase from you. Mm. But I do think it's one of these things that can be learned, but I do also think it's an element yeah. of a trait. And, you know, you pick and choose your team around that. Yeah. You know? I think that's such a good point as well, like saying human instead of consumer. I've tried to do it myself. You know, it's even when you're writing something out and we'll be like X percent of consumers. And I look mm -hmm. at it and I just think it just looks like so cold. It feels cold and disconnected. So if you just get know. into the habit of saying people instead of users yeah. and, you know, people, humans instead of consumers, maybe there's something like subconsciously <laughs> that that changes the way that you approach different uh, pieces of work. Absolutely. You know, I, I see it in my role day to day. You know, I'm in the events business, you know, in mm. the community and stuff like that. And the majority of the discussion around that is based on seniority. You know, so they'll say, we have X heads of marketing in the room or, you know, we have 50 founders of these amazing companies. You know, but what does that actually mean? You mm. know, these people are coming in with so many different contexts into their daily lives that they might not be in the room at the right time to purchase from you to even listen to your message. Mm. You know, so it is really looking to sort of create that human connection first and then there's sort of a long-term relationship that you can build over yeah. that. I want to go back to channels again, Joe, because, um, you know, with, with empathy, I've, I've just... I still can't get it out of my head that I think of social mm -hmm. as being so much harder a platform to, you know, stir emotion, create empathy as opposed to, I don't know, 
a Oxfam ad I would have seen 10 years ago, um, you know, to donate money to third world countries on TV, which is obviously very gripping and very mm -hmm. sad and watch the full 30 seconds. Is, is there a challenge with social from what your point of view is? I think there's actually a real joy to be had with social in terms of the opportunity to engage with your audience. Um, and there's two levels here. Um, the first is sort of the repetition. So for example, with social media, you know, it's, it's cheap, it can be regular. Um, and if you get that sort of organic community over the course of time, then people are going to be uh, reacting to your messages far more often than any TV ad that is possible, you know, because mm. you can reinforce that so often. And you see that with people like Innocent Smoothies, you know, they've got such a community who just react to everything they do and everything that Innocent put out you know, is so in line with their brand, but they're not talking about smoothies. But you know that you're creating that emotional connection with them over mm. the course of time. And the second thing is that they can then use that as a feedback loop into improving their products and improving their brand voice, improving their resonance with their customers. Mm. Because they're getting this constant feedback. People are telling them exactly what they want. You know, people are telling them exactly what they like. And so actually, I think the potential of social for empathy is immensely, immensely powerful because you, you can build a, a relationship that goes beyond the brand and sort of create a human connection, you know, which is really exciting. Yeah, you're just that much closer to your audience, I guess. Absolutely. And going, and going back to those uh, KPIs quickly, because that's another uh, interesting point as well. Emotion, how do you register that <laughs> as a KPI? It's not, it's not a sales target. Yeah. It's not a, a you know, you could, maybe it's an awareness target. Yeah. Um, go back to a point that uh, the Marketing Week columnist uh, Mark Ritson made where... Uh, he was talking about uh, brands like Patagonia, I know mm -hmm. you mentioned, and he kind of said, right, that works for certain brands, but if you're a marketer and you're a brand and you're not making money, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Yeah, do, do you kind of agree with that? Or, you yeah. know, do you see, should we put emotion before profit, I suppose, uh, like you said, that long-term aim? Yeah, it, it, I think they're not mutually exclusive. Um, so if there's a direct quote from the CEO of Patagonia who says every time they double down on their social mission, their profits increase too. In 2017, they were a $750 million company. You know, I, I think, <laughs> don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. But people are resonating with social missions, but what it takes is conviction to sort of believe in that and, and know that that's, um, that's a way that you can drive business. Mm. Um, moreover, what I'm not endorsing is forgetting about data. What I'm not endorsing is forgetting about your dashboards. What I'm just saying is that there's a larger um, data set out there, which is more than just quantitative, it's also qualitative. Mm. And you use both in tandem. You know, it's the same debate as uh, data versus creativity. Mm. Everyone sort of likes to pit them against each other. But it's not the case at all. You know, you can use both in tandem and create a much better business for it. If you're only focusing on one, you're going to be a lot more blinkered. Mm. You know, you look at everything that's going on in the world at the moment. You've got stuff like the movements into environmental issues. You've got movements into LGBT plus uh, communities. You know, these things, if we're being brutal, you know, they're going to be commercial opportunities too. Mm. You know, so if brands aren't engaging with these things, people are going to start asking questions. So we need to start thinking about those, what is the thing that the customer's wanting? And right now, people are wanting more stuff to do with social issues. They're looking for more quality. They're looking for that interaction with brands. They're looking for a more human interaction. Mm. I was going to say, that's, that's, that's an interesting point. It's something... 
we bring up time and time again, isn't it? What role really does a brand play now? Because, you know, and that's such a million pound question, but it seems like they have to do more than just sell products. They seem like you kind of need to lean on them a little bit to kind of feel some kind of, I don't know, progress in the world. I'm not too sure. You've got to think, right, okay, Nike's yeah. doing good. Yeah. I better, you know, join that ship in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I don't think there's there's a right answer in this. You know, I, I don't necessarily think it's 100% the role of a corporation to take on every social mission ever. You know, I, I think it's very important to pick the ones that, that are important to you and are relevant to you. You know, so you look at Patagonia, they were started as like an environmental company. So even though they've got an awareness of the issues, other issues, they're absolutely focusing on that one. I suppose, like you said, they've, they've kind of evolved over time and they've kind of, they're one of those hybrid brands, I suppose you can see. They've got a clear product, but a clear kind of mission statement. And I... I've, I've grown to love the word authentic because mm-hmm. I did hate it for yeah. a while. When did I this thought, happen? <laughs> I, like, I take three days off and I come back and it's your favourite word. I, I do not endorse this message. No. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest, I hated the word authentic because for me it, it made it, it like seem like everything that come before was inauthentic. Mm-hmm. I'm beginning to understand authenticity more and that a brand with so much resource, so much power, so much sway mm. should kind of back their, you know, back their message a bit, yeah. back themselves. I think it's and, just like being real. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. going to sell something, like gone are the days where you can pretend that it's for one reason when it's actually just for another. Mm-hmm. But it like comes back to transparency as well. Yeah. I yeah. think like people, are, they, they're just not as daft as they, <laughs> as they, exactly, as they yeah. used to be. Not saying people used to be daft, but you know, no, we, no. we've come to expect a certain thing from brands. Absolutely. Because they do play such a Absolutely. huge part in our lives. They're absolutely, absolutely everywhere. Adverts are like everywhere. So, you know, if they're not adding anything meaningful, you're just going to ignore them, aren't you? I, I think that's the thing, you know, and, and that authenticity word, you know, it's one of these things that likewise, I'm probably still in the in the hate it phase. Thank you. Um, thank you. <laughs> but more, more, more from the perspective that it's being described as a tactic and authenticity isn't a tactic. Mm, you can't that's say... That's when authenticity stops being well, authentic. I was say, there's, there's, <laughs> that, there's that like empathy in itself seeing the need to do good as a as a sales tactic that seems like the mm. opposite of empathy it seems like well that's the type of thing that people see through as well mm. you know when when these campaigns are run which clearly are just being done for the for the benefit of a social purpose then people see through it and 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 they don't care mm. you know I, I think it's when these brands really care they go beyond just looking for profit and and the customers feel that then it has a real sort of mm. tangible figure on the bottom line there was a there was a brilliant brilliant I'm going to give him a shout out which was a report by a uh, Karma Rama an agency down in London um, and they they did a survey a, a study which found that 31 percent of people were more likely to spend with companies who they felt were prioritizing them over profits mm. and you know that feels like quite an interesting thing you yeah. know that, I'm surprised it's not higher because surely like. <laughs> You know, you'd want to be prioritised, wouldn't you? If you're, you know, the the consumer, you're Absolutely. the one being sold to, you're the one who you have to, like, spend your money and give your time and attention. Absolutely. You want someone to have, like, you in mind and not just themselves. It, it depends, right? So, like, I think for someone like Ryanair, for example, you know, everyone hates them. <laughs> you know? and, and they hate their customers back. You know? but the, the, and that's what we love about them. Yeah, but, but that's the thing, right? That they, They've... They're not in the business of making their customers love them. Mm. They're in the business of being a utility. Mm. Their job, the the empathizing that they're doing with their customers, is that their customers want to get to A to B in the least fussy way possible. Mm. 
So as so long as they perform that function, mm. then they're absolutely doing a great job of empathy. Yeah, still being empathetic to like their cause. That's it. Like, so what would you say then to brands that hear the word empathy and mm-hmm. think of it as like a one-size-fits-all strategy, like an umbrella yeah. term? Yeah, well, it is. It should be incorporated by everyone because going back to that definition right at the beginning, it's just understanding what your customers want. Mm. While the word empathy has very positive connotations, you know, people sort of think about it being nice and kind and stuff like that. Mm. It's not necessarily about that. It's about understanding what your customers want. Yeah, and they'll want something different depending on who they are. Absolutely. You know, so it's about understanding that and then you kind of go from there. Empathy isn't about being nice. It's about serving your customers what they want. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm not too sure what the response is going to be, so I'm going to try it out. What what (laughs) about those instances when you maybe don't have what your customer wants, if Uh you know what I mean, where the kind of... I suppose the thing that advertisers... (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say the thing that... We advertisers and marketers get flack for, you know, the uh, leading the horse to water kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think you've answered it better than I did. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's an argument to be said that it's the Henry Ford thing, right? You know, if you ask customers what they want, then they would have wanted a faster horse or, Mm. you know, or something like that. So, So there is an appreciation that sometimes, you know, you do sort of have to just do the thing that you think is right you know so it's a judgment call and it's not always the easiest thing to do Mm. but what you have to do is sort of take those convictions and sort of say I feel like I'm doing this for the right reasons Mm. and I've taken what I think my customers want into account Mm. but I think they're wrong you Mm. know and if (laughs) that's if that's the case then that's absolutely fine but at least you've made that judgment yeah what isn't acceptable is for you just to bypass that stage and sort of say I don't care what the customers want I'm going to do this thing yeah and if you do that, you know, you probably are going to go yeah. out and visit. So they might not want it now, but they'll want it in like five years. Or like they it. don't know what they want, but That's they it. will still, you know, like You're it. You're on that wavelength, aren't you? <laughs> now, let's, let's turn it on its head for a second. So, um, you know, emotion is the currency of social media. Mm. And, you know, you only need to look at Trump's Twitter feed. He's the, go, he's the lazy <laughs> go-to example that we yeah. always <laughs> sort of quote. But yeah, works. what can be said for when anger and controversy and rage are the things stoking the fire, making an impact, um, you know, as a brand. Like, you don't want to set out to make people hate you, but there's something to be said for getting a lot of press, a lot of attention, a lot of PR off the back of it. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the world we live in today feels very sort of oppressive and full of hate, anger and and disappointment. (laughs) And we were speaking about Twitter beforehand and you only need to go on there for five minutes and feel very depressed. Oh no. Um, Not through your tweet. Yours is amazing. (laughs) But what you can do is, you know, look at the reason why these things are cutting through. And my theory at least is that, you know, hate is just an extreme emotion. But on the flip side, and it's something that a lot of British people are very uncomfortable talking about, but it's love, Mm. you know, and that is an extreme emotion that sort of really resonates with people. So I think what we're seeing is that anyone sort of sitting in the grey space in between, they're not getting heard because hate at the moment is is just so loud. Mm. But I think the possibility, the ability of brands is to look to create love, Mm. you know. So uh, the first marketing book I ever read was called Love Marks. Um, and the idea behind it is that you sort of transcend just being a brand. You you, tr- you enter into a stage of uh, where your consumers, your human beings that interact with your brands 
genuinely love you, you know, and, and I'm not wearing my Nikes today, you know, but if I was to go shopping, you know, I'd look for that, but I wouldn't really know why, you know, it was just a feeling inside that over the course of time, Nikes were cool and I like that. Mm. And that's probably an element of love for the brand. Mm. Um, you know, for that reason, you know, I think while we can be absolutely speaking about hate, I really wouldn't encourage people to speak about that. You know, why, why would you want to put more hate onto the world? Mm. Why don't you try to inspire love? And it goes back to that long-term thing as yeah. well. You know, I didn't fall in love with my wife, you know, day one, you know, met her at halls and stuff like that. It took a process of time. It took a process, if we were putting this in the marketing world, it took a, you know, multiple touch points over there. You know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And there is no freaking way I would be able to attribute the, the channel that was the most relevant for me, you know, yeah. to, to eventually get married to my wife. Mm. You know, it was a lot of things over a lot of time mm. that built a hell of a relationship. So that's what you've got to look to inspire. Mm. I think one of the messages here is just chill the hell out. Yeah. You know, if, if you feel like you're doing all right, you know, mm. it is a fast paced world. It is one full of hate, but it is also one with the possibility, you know, of creating something really, really special. Yeah, definitely. You have to go to that other extreme to get hurt. You know, it reminds me of the whole relationship analogy when we spoke to Neil Schaefer and he said, um, like, too many marketers are treating their relationship with their consumers like one-night stands and it should actually be thought of more, more of like a marriage, like you don't need to be so fickle with it. Absolutely. That lifetime value thing. I think one of the difficulties right now is that as marketers, we like to pretend that the attribution question has been like solved, that we know what customers are doing at every stage. But the reality is, you know, as we sit here in 2019, there's like cross device stuff, there's cross platform, you know, people are getting lost at different points. So we can't 100% say this customer engaged with us on a billboard and then went to one of our events, then saw a PPC ad, then mm. engaged with us on social and then became a customer. So if that's the case, then we have to rely a little bit on our gut. So marketing is still an art and a science, you know. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, it is absolutely treating it as a long-term relationship, you know, not a one-night stand. Yeah. Is, is that a result of us adding more touch points, I suppose, adding social into the mix and PPC, like you said, and SEO and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. well, possibly, you know, I mean, I, I don't know the up-to-date sort of stat, but, you know, people sort of say about... Uh, you're needing seven touch points, you know, to sort of people even remember you. And we have the ability to do that quicker than ever before with stuff like social, as we've mentioned, mm. you know, that's the most fast paced channel there is out there, really. But what we can do is sort of look to engage with more channels over the course of time. And that's just yeah. what the marketing mix is. I would, right? I would argue that, say, if you're doing a campaign that's just based on social or say like just based on a Facebook product, mm -hmm. the things like the pixel, like you literally, you actually can see where people have come from. But... Is that enough to be remembered by yeah. if you're just doing a Facebook-led campaign? Yeah. Well, you know, it's one channel, you know, and, mm. and while you can see it, it's difficult to say, you know, because we're pink spongy masses of, <laughs> you know, like irrationality and, and, and weird emotions that don't make any sense. Yeah. So one click for one person onto an ad isn't going to mean the same for the other. Mm. The argument here is, you know, very simply speaking about emotions and humanity and all that sort of stuff. You've got one click there, which is great. Mm. What's the equivalent qualitative data point that informs whether that's a good yeah. click or not? You know, when, when you say it like that, do you think that there's maybe some marketers out there or some brands that try and ignore that reality because it is just so complex. Mm -hmm. Like humans are so complex. So yeah. if you even try and tackle that, it just like feels so impossible. Do you think maybe yeah. that's why some people don't bother at all? It's a lot harder, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do, you know, but I think 
there's certain things that people can be doing quite easily to get qualitative feedback in a regular, easy way. You know, social media comments of Amazon reviews. I don't really think forums are a type of thing anymore, you know, but but people are generating content all the time mm. and speaking about brands and you can absolutely get that data. You just need a way of bringing it in. Yeah. Have an advocate in the company who's sort of saying, you know what, our customers are saying this, you know, mm. and we've got direct quotes. And that's a great way to sort of bring that in. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely harder. But Worthwhile. Well, yeah, it's the fuller picture rather than just half of it. Mm. We mentioned uh, a few brands that are doing things well. We mentioned a bit of CSR. Uh, one brand that I, well, I can't say came across because they've been around for <laughs> as long as I can remember, but uh, Cadbury's at the moment, uh, they've... <laughs> capitalized this kind of they've bottled joy essentially they've 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 kind of got the monopoly on that emotion and i was seeing somebody speak a few months ago at an event and they were saying everybody has turned to joy marketing mm-hmm. Apparel did something together mm-hmm. with joy yeah, but nobody's doing it as well as cadbury right. who have i think they even gave joy a pantone it was like this color purple the cadbury purple <laughs> or something what other brands would you say are really doubling down on emotion in a way that's innovative in a way that's unique in a way that's just interesting. So I'm going to give two examples, you know, and one of them's a little bit selfish, but like it's, it's the one that I hope sort of resonates over the course of time and I can sort of bring a little bit more story into it. So, so the first one, you know, is clearly people like Patagonia, you know, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the, you know, cut out answer, but I'm afraid they're doing a really, really good job of it. Mm. People feel like they're part of a tribe when they're wearing that logo. It transcends good looking clothing and it becomes a movement. And they give all their staff a day off to go out and just be outside at one point, I'm pretty well, sure. Actually, I saw, I saw that a few months ago. Yeah, I think they gave, yeah. they said, oh, you know, we're closed today, yeah, giving yeah. everybody the day off. Well, I do actually like their stuff. I'm probably going to put my foot in my mouth because I think it's them, but I'm only 90% sure. But they did an out of home, like a window display on Peter Street, just uh, by our office. And it's like a really vast landscape, like an absolutely gorgeous setting plastered on the windows. And it just has out of office and really big letters. <laughs> I think, and I think it, it's yeah. so clever because there's so many offices like nearby. I just saw that and I was like, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a marketer's, <laughs> marketer's campaign. Oh, yeah, it? never switches off the work, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's been their core since day one. I'm pretty sure that when their office was based by the sea, that if it was good surfing weather, they used to just tell the whole office to pile out and go surfing. You know, just that kind of brand, you know. The other example, and again, to be selfish, so please don't think I'm plugging it. But Something you've replicated. Yeah, it's, it's the marketing meetup. You know, I mean, yeah. we've taken the time. So it's been three years in the process now, you know, but every step along the way, it's very much been about us rather than um, just me, you know, and, and it goes back to that point about having an ego. Mm. I've got an ego, but I've realised that a community is not just one person, it's the sum of all the parts. Mm. If we were just building a community that was... Uh, a profit generation uh, organization that was purely based on that purpose, we would have made a lot of different decisions along the way. But the difference is that by having made those decisions about, you know, looking after people, we gave everyone who came along to the event once just a pound to go and make someone else's day, you know, and and, and the tweets that came back from that were amazing, you know, and the momentum that we got from that, you know, because people re- really resonated with that message. Mm. It was really, really cool. There's no way we would have done that if it was just a profit generation exercise. Yeah. But the point is that now, three years down the way, you know, we've got a really great, vibrant community of people who mm. really engage with the values and they take it onto themselves as much as, you know, I bestow it on them, you know, so to speak, because 
they feel part of it, mm. you know, and, and that's why my experience, that's why I'm just such a, an advocate for, you know, really valuing the, the human beings that you're interacting with, mm. because the net result is that my business is now growing in a way that it never has done before. Mm. But there's no way that it would have done that if we hadn't taken mm. those steps along the way to really focus on humans. I, I really, I really want to ask you a question <laughs> on that, actually, because this, this was sort of floating around my head as well, like marketing meetups, great, great case study, you know, and, and there will be people, I suppose, who, who, who think, oh, so, you know, that's, that's very nice. It's very, you know, there I say twee, yeah, but very, you know, <laughs> positive. And I wanted to ask you what the, not not necessarily the response, but mm -hmm. I think before I worked in marketing and when I learned more about advertising, I don't want to say cold, but I saw it as a very, you know, to be in a creative environment that's very high pressured and to be at a really high level creative director you always get the on font terribles, don't you? You know what I mean? And the P you, it sounded to me like you have to be a bit of a, a dick. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? To kind yeah. of get the best out of people. Do you do you see that kind of I, I want to know what the response is and, and where you sit with that kind of maverick kill, yeah. kill, kill kind <laughs> of personality that you you see in top level marketing? Yeah. I think possibly one of the problems with marketing that we have today is if you ask ten different marketers what marketing is, you'll get ten different responses. Mm. You know, so for me, I said at the beginning, you know, my def general definition of marketing is looking to solve the needs of the customer. For that reason, you know, I kind of see my role as a marketer as an opportunity to match a problem to a solution, mm. which therefore uh, positively impacts someone's life. You know, so for that reason, you know, being a marketer, I've sort of framed it in my mind and maybe I've just marketed it to myself, but it's a very positive act. It's an act of almost giving, you know, it's sort of saying, you know what, here's this thing. It becomes a cutthroat, horrible thing when you're trying to shove something down someone's throat mm. and sort of say, here's mm. this thing that we have. We're not sure if you want it and we don't really care as long as you buy it once. You know, that's that's rubbish, you know, and, it's, and it creates that sort of terrible image of marketers. Mm. I've had people walk up to me, tell me I'm evil for being a marketer and then turn on their heels and walk away. You know, it is an industry that does have that that sort of image. A bad reputation of consumerism, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> trust, slowly trying to shake it off. Trust, exactly. what, what's that stat, isn't it? Sort of uh, on, on the scale of trust, I think, is it doctors and nurses are at the top, advertisers <laughs> and marketers are yeah. the bottom behind insurers and salespeople. Yeah. It's because like sometimes sort of, like some brands just don't get it right and sometimes it feels like it's one step forward, two steps back and you think absolutely. a brand does something really positive and amazing and then some brand cocks it up it. and then we're and then we're back again. Mm. That's it. But I think it comes back down to the, the marketing versus advertising thing. Mm. You know, and, and we should spend an awful lot of time on here because I imagine most people are quite well educated on that who are listening to this. But marketing isn't advertising. Mm. You know, marketing is, you know, matching a, a problem to a solution, you yeah. know, and, and that's far broader. You know, that's how people answer the phone. That's customer service in the shop. That is advertising as well. You know, that's just the promotion aspect of it. Mm. There's a vast array of stuff that goes into marketing. And while advertising is one of those things that people sort of, sort of you know, hide away from, it's definitely one of those things that, you know, it can be a very, very positive experience, especially if you look to help people rather than just sell at them, which can't yeah. be a lot of fun either, really, to be yeah. honest. Oh, it's very... It reminds me of the tortoise and the hare. <laughs> Going back to like <laughs> short term, on. long term. Yeah, the hare's like the advertisers, the like Don Drapers of the day who are complete <laughs> sharks and just want to get to the top. But the tortoise is there creeping in the background, doing things right. 
doing things his way and wins in the end. So yeah, I think this is something to be said. The, the line has been blurred, hasn't it? Especially for social only companies, I imagine, and mm. the brands that just form on social. I see your marketing as being kind of in the same pot as your advertising. There, it's sort of like, oh, we've made a company that lives on Instagram, and this is our audience, and this is this, and this is the the, the content marketing mm-hmm. that comes into it. I suppose it's like, where do you draw the line between advertising and content marketing now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it just pre-roll, mid-roll, and branded yeah. content, or is it something else? And that's what I find interesting at the moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that you know, as I say, everyone's going to have a very different perspective on it. Mm. You know, there will be a lot of people who will listen to this and either think it's the world's most obvious podcast or what is this guy chatting about? You know, <laughs> and, and and that's absolutely fine. You know, we all have a different perspective. What I would just say is that if people open their minds, and this sort of comes back to the empathy point of view, you know, a lot of people have very rigid views on on what things are, you know, but if we actually take a step back and empathise with another mm. person and sort of say, okay, I'm now going to walk in your shoes, I'm going to appreciate what you're thinking and try to understand that, then we actually become far better for it. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sure that in the same way as, you know, someone's might think this is a load of rubbish today and then in five years they might think, oh, it's a little bit less rubbish. You know, I, I might go the other way as well, you know, and I might be convinced that, you know, more commercialism in marketing is is absolutely, oh, no, you know, integral. <laughs> it would be sad, you know, but, but you know, if that's a relevant argument, you know. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said empathy isn't just about being nice. Yeah. Because we, we tie it with sympathy and, oh, you know, let me look after you. Empathy isn't just about being mm. nice. It's really different from from sympathy, actually. So our managing director, Katie Leeson, has her own podcast. And Katie's like really outspoken about being empathetic as a marketer. And in one of her episodes, I can't remember which one, she laid out the difference between empathy and sympathy. Like sympathizing with someone is like, if you're taking like pity on a problem without actually taking the time to understand it, it's Mm. like, it's like, oh no, like that sucks. But if you're empathizing with someone, it's like, okay, I understand. And here's like what I can do to help. Mm. Um, And yeah, yeah, it's something that people do commonly like, like they switch up the words and use them as if they had the same meaning, but actually they don't. They're interchangeable for some people, aren't they? I have have a question. So Mm. if you were in a room with one of these like CMO, creative director, like shark types that Theo's describing, (laughs) and they were absolutely convinced that being empathetic couldn't be profitable, what would you say? I, I think you you would start by empathizing with them. You know, you, you, you would look to <laughs> understand, you know, their, their situation, you know, yeah. and you sort of say, okay, what's the reason? Do you think it couldn't be profitable? Mm. You know, and, and once you have that discussion and have that viewpoint, you know, you're able to understand them. You're able to walk through their shoes. Yeah. Then you're able to walk them through that journey and sort of say, okay, I understand that your ambition is, you know, is money led. You know, I understand that that's the requirement that you have. Here is the reason why I think empathy, taking the time to understand our customers, is going to be profitable. Mm. And it's one of those things that I go back to that report that I mentioned earlier. It's quite difficult to put numbers on it and it's a long term thing. So you need to get them on board with that kind of decision because you might not see results tomorrow. Mm. But by having numbers such as 31% of people, you know, would chop with a company who value them rather than treating them as a customer and yeah. sort of stuff like that. It's proof. It exists, mm. you know, and that's the type of thing that you sort of convince mm. them over the course of time. We are starting to see more credibility in metrics like sentiment analysis, aren't we? Definitely, like that's, yeah. That's we'll becoming more important that, yeah, than like likes and, and shares and what have you. That's 100%. It. That's 100%. It. it kind of ties into the, the conversational marketing trend that's going on at the moment yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you sort of see, we had a talk last night um, by 
Rich Wood of Six and Flow, and he was pointing out the difference between the standard sort of landing page for them, which was converting at about 2.6% or something like that, which is, you know, industry average, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's fairly normal. But they moved their stuff over to a conversational marketing style of things. So they had a bot, which sort of, instead of a lead form, mm. um, sort of guided people through the process. It was getting exactly the same information, but they converted it like 26%. That's interesting. And it's it's like... This is where it's yeah. going That's to. For us, for instant messaging is, we've said it you know, time and time but again. We, we've been trialing massive. something similar as well. And right. yeah, for, for the same like reason, like, I think... Probably similar research has informed mm -hmm. that decision. But mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's definitely the way it's going, I think. Completely. Definitely. Completely. Mm. Definitely. We'll wrap it up, Joe, because uh, <laughs> we've, well, we've, we've covered absolutely loads. But, um, you know, I'm going to give you a shout out because I absolutely love the marketing meetup. But I know you're launching in several more cities very soon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. if you do live in the major city, I believe, check out the marketing meetup. Yeah. And we hope you'll join us on the Facebook group that we've set up for Social Minds. Absolutely. You know, as we finish these episodes, we we'll just say you'll be on there, you know, so please feel free to agree disagree you know put anything to us and yeah um, people will be able know. to ask you some questions um, about the episode <laughs> if they've got any yeah. exactly yeah. we'll the conversation yeah no problem at all I look forward to it smashing yeah. thanks for coming on yeah, Joe. Thank you. thank you thank you for having me thank you for listening we really hope you enjoyed this episode if you did please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week this has been the Social Minds podcast with myself Theo Watts Eve Young and produced by Ollie Thompson. 